sounds good, but that, does that make it good? <laughs> Just the, the mere fact that it sounds good, does that yes. mean it is good? I mean, it, who's the who's the arbiter of that day, and who's who's the one with the yardstick, and how far into good does it have to sound before it actually becomes? You're the arbiter. Good. I'm the arbiter? You're the arbiter. I have to carry that uh, responsibility? Yes, because you're the sound guy. But I'm not, I don't know that I'm ready for it, not personally or in any way. It's 8.50 a.m. Saturday, September the 11th, 2021. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. Yeah, Bubba. We got all of that one. Well, the house is a happy house. As always, it's a happy house. And there's a, a carnival-like atmosphere that pervades <laughs> the interior landscape. And I can't explain it. I simply bask in it from day to day. But today is, a, is an anniversary day of a horrendous day. Um, so for a moment... Where were you when you found out, Diane? Well, I was... I Where was I when I found out? At the bus stop. There you go. I had not... At that time, I was not starting my morning off with the news. And I walked over to the bus stop and... Now, this Good to is, go into work. Right? This is something I that I always have felt... When, when I used to not watch the news as much, people would say, well, how would you know if something happened? Believe me, you know when things happen because people will tell you. Yeah. And they are thrilled to be the person who tells you well, that, about it's, this. But it's a, it's a thrill that comes out of a deep shock. I know, it's but what, a... I'm, what I'm saying is that they're thrilled to be able to yeah. share news yeah. with you and be there to have you experience what they, the shock they experienced. And so uh, basically somebody I didn't even know because I heard these people talking and I, I said, what's, excuse me, I, what's, what's gone on? What's happening? So they told me, and then I came into the, came into work and uh, basically everything had stopped and people were uh, just watching the news um, through yeah. sources uh, at work that that they could figure out what was happening. Yeah, yeah. I was I was working at Kevlar Bulletproof Radio in Twisp, and I was I think I was in the back in the production room working on commercials, and Deputy Don Ashford was on the air doing the morning show, and uh, I came out of the production room to, for something or to get something or I was done or whatever and I walked by the the studio and he said you better come in here and he had the television on over the console and the the first tower was was smoking and I stood there and watched as the plane flew into the second tower and uh, it was just like okay <laughs> we're live on the air what do we do so what we did and it was probably illegal, and we probably could have lost our FCC license if we'd thought about it, was we just took the CNN, the live CNN audio, and just piped it out over the air. Yeah. You know? And 
it's, you know, said this is happening right now, people, if you don't already know. Well. You know, kind of thing. And it was, uh, it was everything. I mean, I probably saw those towers fall 20, 30 times that day. And I did not watch it at all. I did not want to watch it. Yeah. And uh, I, didn't want to I was watch telling it you, I, I don't think I watched it until we watched the movie we just watched, Worth. Mm-hmm. That was about um, that excellent movie, by the way. Yeah, it's on uh, Netflix with Michael Keaton. It's very, very good, good movie. Anyway, yeah. So there you go. But the Bill and Diane show goes in other directions. And it has been, Diane, a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine. It has, as indeed. As per usual. And I will just say that I, I, uh, my health issues kind of crescendoed this week. Um, I, had a, I had to go in for some CT scans of my lower abdomen and pelvis. I've been having some really bad nerve pain, uh, kind of like sciatica, although the doctors call it radiculopathy, which I think is a perfect word for it. <laughs> Except it's, it's, I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. Radic. It's radiculous, rid. not ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, ham and eggs. I was hoping it was ridiculosity, <laughs> because I, I would, that would just be everything. Um, anyway, uh, they were concerned that my left leg and foot had swollen up, because that was not a symptom of sciatica. So they thought that there might be something in my lower pelvis or hip, uh, or lower abdomen or pelvis that was pressing up against a vein that returned blood from that leg and was also pressing up against the nerve and giving me the, the nerve pain. So they mentioned the word mass. Did I talk about this last week? I don't know I that you did. I can't remember if I did but... or not. They mentioned a word, there could be some kind of a mass <laughs> in your lower abdomen or pelvis uh, that's causing this. So they wanted to rule that out. So we've been on tenterhooks ever since they said that, right? Yeah, yeah. I went out to the car and wept for about 10 minutes after that appointment because all I could think about was my dad. Because my dad went in for a hernia operation when he was, I think, 58 or something. and They found this grapefruit-sized tumor in his abdomen that ended up being what killed him uh, about a year later. So, you know. You get those kind of resonances going in yourself, and it becomes, in my car, it became a spiritual experience because I was smack up against my mortality and just just like that and had my little reaction to it that seemed perfectly in context uh, to the moment. And then I kind of went, well, you know, let's find out. Let's go, yeah. to, let's put one foot in front of the other kind of thing. Turns out there is no mass. The CT scans came back clear. Uh, there's there's still some mystery around what was causing the swelling in my leg and foot, which is much less severe now. I still have the nerve pain, but uh, I'm feeling a lot lighter uh, after getting those test results back. So We did talk about it last week. I'm sure we did. And I, the reason why I was thinking about it was because of the songs that we chose. The... Oh, right. Yeah. Ready for the storm and yeah. this love will carry me, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Nice, nicely I, done, Diane. I would I say, see, that's why you have to have, you know, some thematic <laughs> that's, songs. But that's, so that, that's you, why so Diane Schulstad is the music director of the Bill and Diane show, because she knows how to find the appropriate music uh, well, based on whatever circumstances occurring uh, that week. So, well, kudos. 
it's interesting because uh, right before we put the mic on, I had been talking to Bill about, uh, he asked me what I was doing when he came down, and I was writing response to one of my friends who asked the questions. Uh, he basically wrote a little bit about toughness, that he felt like uh, that pain is part of life and that we we have to develop a certain sense of toughness. And he's basically asked the question, what is toughness? How do you define toughness? How do you define toughness and um, and what does it mean to you? Do you think it's important to, to have toughness in your life? Yeah. And I started the, when I immediately, when I thought about toughness, I was thinking about resilience in the, in the face of adversity. And I mean, the true definition of toughness is about your ability to deal with adversity, adverse situations. And, um, and I was, I immediately thought about my family history, my immediate family. First, my father, who had had, I think it was neurofibrosarcoma in his leg. He had one of his, and I can't remember which leg it was now. I mean, it's funny how I have in my mind what it looked like, but I was thinking, I think it was his left leg. They took a huge chunk of his leg, almost the whole of his thigh, down. They operated, got it down almost to the bone, grafted skin from the other side to put on that the injured leg to help it heal and through all of that my father had a sense of humor he was he did not fail under those extremely adverse circumstances my mother was thinking, oh my God, I'm going to, uh, yeah. I'm going to be without my husband, the love of my life, and I've got two small children, and I'm not working. I'm, I'm sure, the cascade of thoughts that were going on for her were incredible. And then, I still remember this uh, story that my mom told me that he had to take these scalding hot baths to recover. And she would be sitting on the, he wanted her to be there while he was doing this. And he'd say, you want to join me? You know, it, yeah. he'd just be silly. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I felt like, wow, now that is tough to me. And then I was saying that my mother, who had osteomyelitis, a bone marrow disease when she was a kid, um, just a small child, she had to spend a year in the hospital as a child she never had a strong body throughout her life and endured i think she in all in all she probably had four operations on her hip and her leg eventually and 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 just the toughness two of them when she was like 86 and 87 yeah. years old you know it's <laughs> just like oh God, and, you know, watching her, because I was there up close and personal when she was having the last couple of operations, and uh, I was there when she was coming out of the anesthesia, and the pain on her face, and, oh, you know, to my mind, those people were tough, tough. 
And then I think about my grandparents who have talked about, you know, my grandmother who was a refugee um, from Belgium uh, when it was occupied by Germany in World War One, and, and, you know, the fact that these generations, my parents' generation going through the Great Depression as children, World War Two as young adults, the the vicissitudes of their lives, and then my grandparents' generation with dealing with World War One as young adults and the Great Depression as parents and, you know, and being a refugee and immigrants from it. I just feel like, man, tough? Yeah. Do I value toughness? Yes, I value toughness. But I also define you as tough because you've been going through a lot of pain and doing it with, um, you know, trying to deal with it in the best way possible. And I, I feel like if you can just deal with it and also have a sense of humor through it all, then you are doing great. So, well, yeah. And I think a lot of, if, if I have humor during, during these tough times, I think it's because I, my starting place is a pretty joyful place. So that humor is the kind of knee jerk response when there's adverse things going on. Well, even so I when think I'm lucky you, in what my baseline uh, emotional state is, which makes me feel like, well, I can either cry or laugh. Yeah. It's the same kind of release. As yeah. The, as is told of in song and story, you know, over the years, it's the same release. Um, well, I keep thinking about you, you don't when in, I you was... You don't invite crying from me when I'm in pain. You invite laughing from me when I'm in pain. So that's... The, that's the reason. Well, I still remember when we, um, when you came home from, I think from getting your pain medications or something, and I was listening to uh, a Doogie McLean, very happy, joyful fiddle tune, and you came in, and, and for the moment you came in, you started dancing around in this silly way that you do and and i was thinking wow he's dancing around and he's in pain but he's still making me laugh that's you know pretty amazing well so that was it was a jaunty tune it was one one cannot really help but (laughs) let your backbone slip when when doogie's jamming on the fiddle anyway Yeah. yeah so it's been a it's been a hectic week in that way and at this point, I would say on this Saturday morning, uh, having been up since about six, I'm doing. I'm feeling better today. I think on the whole, everything seems better, and I think part of it is because I've been pretty judicious for the last couple of evenings. When I sit down for our evening together, uh, I put ice under me and behind me. Oh, and yeah. I, I think that's well. I did notice that, but I didn't. I, I didn't. Uh, connect that that might have been the right and then when i sat down this morning i brought an ice back over and i'm currently sitting on ice again so i think that maybe there are things that i can be doing i've also i'm going to be going in for some craniosacral massage on monday with my regular doc and then i'm getting some physical therapy on wednesday and hopefully i can see Kay, my physical therapist a few times and and get myself uh, educated as to exercises that I can do to strengthen that area and also f- 
find out whether what I've been doing for exercise might have been inviting the sciatica kind of situation. So I just want to educate myself a little bit more, and then I want my body back. Damn it. I want my body back. Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. But I feel like it's been, we've wandered away from each other. Ew, boy. Me and my body. That's good coffee. During this time, and I've lost a lot of gains that I have made. I haven't lost all of it, but I do definitely feel weaker all over. And when I feel weaker all over, then all my other pains start to get stronger. But I would say today, one of the ways I know that the nerve pain that I've been experiencing on my left side is getting better is because the other pains in my body, I'm noticing them again. They're not being shouted down by something bigger and more uh, immediate. So anyway, that is the uh, parts inventory for this particular set Saturday. And uh, what else has been going on this week? Ah, it's just been a very... It's been a week of amazing conversations I've been having. I spoke to my... I had a talk with my mom for two hours on the phone yesterday. And it was just remarkable. Remarkable conversations. And the laughing, making her laugh, and her making me laugh. And just, I don't know. It's... uh, Oh, I love your mom so much. I am just having these wonderful conversations with my mom. And... uh, so that's cool. And I had a great conversation with my sister. I had a great conversation with my friend Alan uh, on Friday. I'm anticipating another great conversation with my friend Tim on tomorrow. And, you know, I've just got all these connections that are really active and working and basically saying, how was your week? And then here, and then people feeling free to talk about all the, you know, all, even the minute things that happened and how they felt about them. And it's just, I just feel like I'm learning so much about some people who are extremely important to me. So it's when I, I talked to my son and my daughter this week, and you know, I don't know. I also have been having lots of long conversations. In fact, the one that I had with my friend Kathy um, was the longest. I think yeah, ever. that set a new record. Yeah, it was I think about it was four hours. Four hours, yeah. and. Uh, and part of the reason why it went extra long was because as we were talking, because my friendship with Kathy is so random in a way. Yeah. Um, but it's also got some elements to it that are just archetypal, if I might say so. Yeah. You know? So Kathy uh, was a volunteer for, for Victory Music long before I had ever joined. Like 20 years almost. Yeah. yeah. And she had also, both of us had been partners of the same guy at different times. And we had met through the fact that Chris Lunn, who I had been with for five years in, uh, in my younger years, and who she had been with in her younger years, Chris never had an antagonistic breakup in his life. So if you ever had been in Chris's life, you knew all of his girlfriends, which is pretty amazing, actually. And, um, I mean, the fact that I'm still close friends with Chris, (laughs) even though we couldn't make it as uh, partners, 
is a, a true testament to his ability to do this. Which, and which makes him a completely unique individual. It does. It makes him completely unique in my experience. And damn, I mean, he deserves credit just for that. I know. Amongst, amongst many other things that he deserves credit for. Well, so I had met Kathy yeah. through Chris a long time ago, and I just loved her from the moment I met her, yeah. which is also weird. You know, here's this past girlfriend yeah, but, of the person that you're with. Yeah. and everything. And, but I just loved her. And throughout the years, I had had random times that I saw her and I was reminded once again, I just love this woman, yeah. you know. Well, since we were on Facebook, um, one time I was commenting, something happened, or either she commented or I commented on the love of the author Robertson Davies. Oh, yeah. And then we started this Facebook conversation from time to time. And so when I wanted to delve into the aging process in the union fashion, right. that's uh, the summary of it. I was telling you, I, I want to talk with somebody and we'll see if anybody wants to explore this with me. Mm-hmm. And out of the blue, just because she was a lover of Robertson Davies, who is a novelist who uses a lot of union yeah. principles in his novels, unwittingly is what he said, that he did not plan to do it, but he just does. I thought of Kathy. And so we have started this monthly conversation. I was so thrilled that she had decided to even do this with me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but as we have gotten to, I mean, that it was almost like that was just the introduction to having this monthly conversation. And we have had amazing conversations through the entire time that we've been doing this. And just this last time, we were talking about how odd it was that we both had this background and that we were both, we both like storytelling and all that. And I said, you know, we should write some free, something for the Ancient Victories publication because I haven't got enough time to write anything. But if I did something with you, mm-hmm. I think that that would be really cool. Would you have any interest in doing something? Because we'd have to do it within this week. <laughs> and she said... I'd love to do something, but what would we do? And I said, well, we were both volunteers. What, what about just writing about the volunteer experience? Why we volunteered and what it brought to our lives? Because the interesting thing about being a part of an organization like that is that um, you're, you're volunteering your time, and it's a lot of work, man. Yeah, man. And why would you do it? You know, what, what is it that attracted you to do it? And when I told her that I thought that this might be the path that we go down, the volunteering idea, she loved it. And I said, if you would like to write about your experience now, when she was, when she had this experience with her victory music experience it was before it was victory it music, victory music yeah. it was at it was at court c now when i asked her for this i wasn't even thinking and of course we talked about it so that's why our conversation went on extra time because then she was telling me about her experiences and i was going oh my god i never thought 
in my the realm of my thoughts about what was going on during the time or oh, what was happening in the world in, in the world yeah 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 during 19, that time 1969 1970 around there yeah it was in the winter of 
bottomless well of energy. And his vision. Right. I mean, he had a vision, right. and that vision matched what a lot of people wanted. Yeah. And I, I think that, but, you know, you could, you could be participating in any kind of a group, whatever that is. Like, one of my friends, Mela, is part of a, a singing group that sings to the dying. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. that, yeah. you could volunteer at a food bank, you could do anything that you think is a small ray of hope yeah. in a time of turmoil, because isn't the time always one of turmoil? I, I think yes. that that is the, because I think all of us all want to think, well, this is the worst that it's ever been. You know, this is the most turmoil. Yeah. But man, if you go visit any generation and experience their version of They're the turmoil, turmoil. Yeah. it's going to be it, awful. It feels like the end of the world. Yeah. So I think that any time that you can take that small step to just participate in, in something positive, you know, lighting your candle in the face of the darkness and, and not... It's almost, it comes down, it's like a moment-to-moment -moment choice Yeah. in your life. It's where are you going to put your energy, where are you going to spend your vitality? And I think, I mean, I used to go to, a, I mean, when I thought of Victory Music in those early years that I was involved with it, it was an open mic. You know, and there were a lot of open mics, and I went to I sometimes went to four or five a week, but the Victory Music open mic was completely unique, and it was because Chris had initiated a rule, and it was a rule that he would walk around and actively enforce that you needed to be quiet during the music and respect the performer, and that so that the performers were called upon to dig a little deeper into themselves they weren't singing into the wall of sound that you experienced like at the murphy's open mic or or at any of the other open mics that i would go to because chris was walking around and watching and he would he would you know he, he the rule was if you're a performer and you're sitting in the audience and you want to get referred by victory music to do other gigs and if you wanted to do a victory music concert you needed to respect the performer. If he saw you talking and disrespecting the performer, you wouldn't be considered for these other jobs. I mean, it was printed in little table tents <laughs> on every tents, table yeah. at the antique with the rules of the open mic. You respect the artist. So not only did that create an audience that was actively engaged and actually learned by experience how to be an audience, how to, how to show support for a performer because it, it's in everybody's nature to do that. But if you walk into a tavern to have a beer and party with your friends and there happens to be an open mic going on, you have no consciousness of the disrespect that is built into that dynamic in that room at that time. But Chris had the vision to see that and to say, no, we're not going to be like that. So that the audience learned how to really enjoy live music. You know, well, as well I, as the performers learning how to work with an audience who were engaged with them. Because that calls upon the performer to be, in a way, more prepared for what's going to be coming at them because people are going to be actually watching and actually listening. So it was like a whole other uh, level of performance uh, initiation and practice. And for those of us who were young and did not have a lot of experience, this was the experience.
And that's what Chris had in mind. Let the performer learn what it's like to perform in front of an audience. You know? Well, so. and, and also, when I had the, the famous 50th birthday open mic, yeah. um, I was inviting people to that open mic who had never attended an open mic. There were a lot of young people, the graduate students that I yeah. knew, or people, and they actually came out of that experience saying, I never knew anything like this existed. They didn't even know that this part of the world actually existed anywhere. And I had to actually tell everybody beforehand, okay, I'm going to tell you, this is a birthday party, yes, but it is going to be, we're listening to music. We're not chatting. We're not. And uh, we did the tent cards on the tables. Victory Music had been, you know, Chris had been out of Victory Music for, 20 years or something by this point. And, yeah. uh, but you had asked him to host the evening and he jumped at the chance and everybody that you invited jumped at the chance to see all their old friends again. Yeah. It was just the perfect, uh, evening, you know, and it lives in my memory as uh, not only the beginning of something great, but just, um, uh, it was like, I don't know. It was like, falling back into the arms of a bunch of people that meant a lot to you, you know? It was like heaven on earth, man. It was like Folktopia. Folktopia (laughs) returns in a big old, big wave of just positivity and and shared appreciation. And it felt so good to hear these people play again. Yeah. Well, so that is... Uh, it actually has to do a lot with my choice of music this week. Yeah. Um, because, so uh, to, to connect it entirely to this week, I had my life coaching this week, and, um, and my life coach actually listens to the Bill and Diane show. And she was talking about how it's just such a powerful wallop of love to the listeners because we love each other so much and that was very meaningful to me and I was sharing it with you and you just said that you thought of uh, our relationship as a celebration well I do (laughs) in fact and there was something about that gathering that began ancient victories that was in fact a celebration and it felt, uh, I mean, there was a spiritual kind of just vibrant, vibrant energy in the Antique Sandwich Company that night that had been amplified by all the years that we had been apart from each other to where everybody was just glowing. Uh, and each performer that got up was glowing in, in their way because they were playing, they were doing the thing they loved in front of all the people on, on the earth that I, they knew, understood. You know? And it made it a kind of a, it was kind of a Shambhala. <laughs> it was kind of a paradise on earth moment uh, for me. Well, and I think about, uh, so when you said that I, you felt like our our relationship was a celebration, first of all, I, just love that because it is yeah. it's a celebration of yeah. everyday life yep. with you and me even every when, even when everything. it's all about pain and, <laughs> yeah. and, and you know, weird and, ct scans and 
And the very first thing that went through my mind was the Three Dog Night song. Uh, celebrate. Celebrate. Yeah. And, you know, that celebrate, celebrate, dance to the music. I just thought, oh, my God, that's the way life feels all the time to me. And how strange that it feels that way, even in the midst of a pandemic, even in the midst of uh, political upheaval, even, even the, in the midst of all the turmoil. On the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And then I got Kathy's article and I was thinking, oh my gosh, you know, this, uh, this idea of being, uh, being the change you want to see in the world. Right. Don't... You, should, you should mention Tom's contribution too oh yeah she well she just uh sent around in addition to her own observations oddly enough a little paragraph uh, of one of those facebook memories came up right and it was just the perfect thing to come up at this time because it was a memory of court c and uh what he had written was tom kell tom kell who actually became a member of the Sky Boys, which had yeah. some some fame. I yeah. I don't really know as much about that history. But... I don't either, but I sure remember that the name of the Sky Boys and that band. But he had written, uh, and we are going to include this too, a Wednesday's story from the journey. Every musician that I know had a starting place, a place that inspired them to do it and allowed them to try it. In Tacoma, Washington, right downtown, tucked between huge bank buildings and offices, sat a little back street called Court C. There was nothing much on Court C Street, mostly back entrances to huge buildings, but there was this coffee house, a magical, safe place with a stage, a PA, an audience, and a supportive cast of very promising young songwriters and musicians all led by a kind gentleman named Chris Lunn, a man who championed the creative process in that wonderful place. Well, I practically lived there. I loved the way it smelled, the way it looked, the earnestness of its patrons and performers. I tried so much there, learned so much there, became a real musician there, made lifelong friends there, formed a successful band there, and began a journey that I'm still on. And I was thinking that is that yeah. in a nutshell yeah. is what all of our experience was. Right. We made lifelong friends there. Yeah. I, every person who is a part of my life, I can somewhat connect back to that in some weird way. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. We found being, our tribe. Well, and being a part of the positive force in life you know I was just even talking to another friend of mine Hope who is uh, who is a co-worker we went to her art she had an art show last night and I met her in person for the very first time last night and we both did and I was telling her that when we first moved into this workday platform for work there were a group of people who were naysayers and there were there's a smaller group of people who just wanted to get this thing off the ground and i always was saying to people i just really would rather be pulling that cart up the long hilly road 
than sitting on the back and complaining that it's it's just you know too why hard. do we have to do this yeah. and it's too hard and I feel that about my entire life so I just thought Three Dog Night was a group that was really positive during a time of turmoil yeah. and it was like this burst of just sun yeah. in a dark time so and you know on our old transistor radios with the one inch speakers you know three dog night came blaring out of there with a lot of power and it was a positive power and i think that's that's worth celebrating you know <laughs>
Dance to the music. Celebrate, celebrate, dance to the music. Celebrate, celebrate, dance to the music. Celebrate, celebrate, dance to the music. 